On today's show, the Dallas Mavericks come off a weekend where Luka Doncic hit a game winner and just made us all feel good. Made us all feel great. We were worried about this team. The Mavs were boring. We were like, oh man, the offense is bad. Now all of a sudden, Luka hits a game winner and erases it all. We'll talk about that. And then we're going to play buy or sell some big things around the Dallas Mavericks. Chris Alps Porzingis looked good in his return. We'll buy or sell some stuff about KP as well. We'll talk about all that on today's Lockdown Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. got to be together on this right it's like this you may hate me but it ain't no lie yeah then the hands bye 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 Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network. And joining me, friend of the pod, multiple time guest from Mavs Moneyball. What you got for me, Lauren Gunn? Man, I think I'm still speechless from last night. It, <laughs> it's just that was crazy. It was absolute insanity. But yeah, I'm I'm pumped for tomorrow. Hopefully we can get the dub again tomorrow. Uh, and yeah, just keep it going from there. Why not? Right. Absolutely. So if you missed, I broke I broke down the game, did an instant reaction to it. But Lauren and I will talk about the, the Mavericks 107 to 104 win over the Boston Celtics from over the weekend. Of course, Luca's game winner and all that. We'll break that down a little bit further. And uh, but if you want to hear the full recap from me, go and listen to that episode or watch it on YouTube. Thanks for making Lockdown Mavs your first listen every single day. And remember, Lockdown Mavs is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can watch us right now. And also, I want to add to that as well. We will do a post-game show every single game. Isaac and I have committed to that. We've done that the last three years now, four years. We've done a game, we've done a show after every single post-game. So we are here for you after every game, including weekends, including Christmas, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Our families get mad at us, but we will be here for you. All right. The Mavs get the win, 107-104, another clutch win for the Mavericks. We'll talk about that record in a little bit in our buy and sell segment. But Luka Doncic hit the game winner. It just felt, I mean, it felt Thanos-level inevitable, right? <laughs> just it just When he went left, there's something about Luka going left that he can just get to that spot. And what is it about Luka going to that left side? And what is it about teams just forgetting that like, they, should, they should just try to make him go any other way? Yeah, that's the that's what I keep coming back to is like, okay, how many times do we need to see this before we decide, hey, maybe we should throw well, let me I mean, Celtics threw what three guys on him in that play, including Josh Richardson. So I just I I think it gets to a point where it's like, what can you do? I just don't really know that you can do much more because at that point you're just giving up a wide open bucket to somebody else. And if there had been even a little bit more time on the clock, if you got three people going after him, well then uh it's just too much. There's nothing you can do to stop Luca. I've watched this play like maybe a million times over and over again, but there's one thing that stuck out. Somebody tweeted it to me mm-hmm. or, or, or commented on YouTube. So apologies. I can't remember who you are, but the take foul with 11 seconds left that Marcus smart does it's terrible right there was actually really bad. I was like, Oh, it's their foul to give. It's fine. But it actually turned the shot clock off. Yeah. For the Celtics, the, the Celtics were going to get a, uh, the Celtics were going to get, the ball back if, if they if the Mavericks had just run the clock out and Luca had taken a shot, but they end up not doing that. So that was that was a weird thing. But the biggest thing that stands out to me from this whole uh, shot was the fact that KP comes up to set that little screen, and it's not even really a full screen either. But then the Celtics willingly put Richardson on Luca instead of Marcus Smart, and Marcus Smart had done a really good job on Luca, and I thought he would have defended that play better. But I thought that was just such a subtle little thing. 
that we don't think about with these game winners because all you see is the the close up shot of of Luca hitting the you know Luca hitting the shot or going to mm. his left and then pulling up or you see all the different angles. I mean, how many different angles were there of that <laughs> shot? It was awesome seeing all the different angles, people in the stands getting video and all that. Um, the Mavs having like that close up, you know, sideline view. But that little switch I thought was such a huge thing. And I can't, I still can't decide why the Celtics did it, but I thought that, that was huge from that play. Yeah, I think that's still a little bit of a head scratcher for me because I think it all kind of started. I, I guess the head scratching started, like you said, the moment when that when Marcus Smart fouled uh, Luca. I, I want to say it was like close to half court, and I just mm-hmm. was like, okay, that just, like you said, turn the shot clock off, and it was just like, what is going on here? They're kind of backing themselves into a corner and then allowing this the switch to happen. I thought I didn't really think that that was the greatest move. Josh Richardson had a couple of solid defensive plays in that game, but like you said, Marcus Smart was doing a solid job. Uh, so I just I didn't love that move. I don't know if it was a miscue or what happened there, but I would have kept Marcus and and had him stick with that assignment on Luca. Oh, absolutely. Because it was his pressure during the game that was really the, the kind of one of the big game changers. Mm-hmm. The Mavericks had a lead pretty much this entire game. They were up by, you know, 19, 20 points at one point during the game. And then they switched and decided to put Marcus Smart on Luka and decided to really pressure him. And it really changed. And then Celtics actually took a lead at one point. Like, yeah, late in the game, they end up taking the lead back. But uh, yeah, what else? T- what else do you stood out during this game as we're now reliving this? Yeah, I mean, overall, I just feel, feel like as time goes on, this group is starting to work better together. There were a couple of games in the beginning where I was like, okay, this is a little bit too free-flowing, but now I'm seeing like, okay, we're we're looking more at mismatches and we're just moving better off of each other and getting KP back I thought was huge. Um, there were a couple of moments where I, I was kind of like, okay, uh, that that didn't look, maybe that looked a little forced or just I don't I didn't love the way that looked but overall I felt like he did a really good job coming back after the time missed uh, and it was great to have him back out there because you could still see in certain moments the gravity that he did have and how that continued to open up things for other guys uh, I really liked what again what Reggie Bullock came in and did he's just he's been having a, a solid stretch so seeing him come in and just have that instant impact is just music to my ears yeah I'll, every time reggie Bullock plays well i'll, I'll do a victory lap just <laughs> just, just really a, even just a virtual one uh, <laughs> but yeah but yeah i thought he had I, something i didn't mention in the, the breakdown was that he had some really good possessions against tatum right mm-hmm. tatum would try to back him down tatum would try and you know post him up and tatum was awesome in this game and he was gonna was. hit a bunch of shots and he did hit a bunch of shots but Bullock made it hard for him and the, the harder you make it for for tatum the more that you bog down that offense and make him just like a singular one jump shooting player I thought was was going to do the Mavericks good, at least, you know, in in the fact that it was holding the Celtics back on offense uh, playing together. I thought there was some really good ball movement moments in this game where you just started mm-hmm. seeing it like late in the game when KP was the one that sort of went into the key and was able to break the. You know, they didn't they weren't going into a, the Celtics weren't going into a zone, but KP was able to go to the middle, find the open space and then find the open man because Luca was getting double teams. There mm-hmm. were some really good moments there where there was that synergy. You could just see guys all of a sudden just, you know, start knowing where everybody was going to be. And right. that comes from playing together for a long time. Yeah, for sure. One of the biggest things that stuck out to me in the Miami game uh, was how well Miami moves. They're always, always moving. And so last night having KP back and having him cut multiple times, get open dunks just by staying, uh, like moving at all times or at most times. <laughs> Lauren, Lauren is, uh, oh, I think her house is on fire or something. Something is happening in Lauren's house. She's going to go fix that. But yeah, the, the movement from the players, there's one big thing 
that I think really stood out to uh, to me as well is that you have the continuity with these guys and guys that are just standing still when Luca has the ball. That's such a uh, thing that frustrates me to see guys just standing around. And sometimes you need to just have two guys stand in the corner. But if Luca's going to drive, if Luca's going to try to make some movement, guys around the perimeter, you have to move to the open space. You have to find something else. You have to move to get it, you know, to like to get the ball to get them all moving to go to the, the open space somebody else is being is not being guarded and so i think lauren is back lauren are you back now uh, i am back my apologies back. fire her, in the hole at the gun yeah, house my her, God. Ho- her house is not on fire anymore we, we, <laughs> we're we, good we're alive we, we fixed that uh, yeah. but yeah i was just talking about the guys moving without yeah. you know without the ball that's such a big thing and it comes with comfortability in the offense and comfortability with, with each other and i think these guys are starting to get it they've played in these lineups you know a few more times so we're starting to see guys hit um you know just some more comfortability there which i think is a real positive thing yeah i think that's always going to be something that might take a little bit of time uh to get and especially like yeah we saw from kp but seeing reggie continue to relocate and get those open looks uh is huge and so i think even with with someone like frank frank is doing a good job at staying dynamic within the offense and so yeah just overall i'm really liking what i'm seeing uh just from even just small improvements from the beginning of the season. Absolutely. So there you go. Full breakdown from the game in yesterday's podcast. If you want to go listen to more about that coming up, let's get into our buy and sell segment. We got a bunch of stuff. The maps clutch record KP's health KP's production. We got a whole bunch of things to buy or sell. We'll talk to Lauren about that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about prize picks. Prize picks is NBA daily fantasy done, right? It is um, the best NBA daily fantasy prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other daily fantasy prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as the bench players. You get your Luka Doncic's, your Chris Porzingis's, as well as your Reggie Bullock's. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, anything that you can think of. You can do multiple sports as well. You can do NBA and NFL in the same pick. So how it works is you pick over under for, let's say, Luca 30 points. You pick over 30 points. You want to pick touchdowns, Dak Prescott under, what did he get, two? Not even two in this game. Under three touchdowns for Dak Prescott. You can do that all in one bet. They'll give you they'll give you the, uh, the odds for that, and then you will be able to win some money off of that. Right now, if you use the promo code NBA, you can deposit up to $100 and get that matched 100%. You can get $100 matched if you use the promo code NBA. So go to prizepicks.com, use the promo code NBA to get a 100% match with your first deposit. Prize Picks, the best daily fantasy prop game on the market. Also, I want to tell you about Direct TV Stream. This is saving my butt right now. Direct TV Stream is allowing me to watch the Mavericks when I wouldn't otherwise be able to. There's a bunch of different things that I can try. There's other streaming services that don't allow you to watch certain, you know, they don't allow you to watch certain channels when you're not using their Wi-Fi. It doesn't make any sense to me, but DirecTV is not that. DirecTV Stream brings together your live TV on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. DirecTV Stream. Learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, Lauren, let's get into our game today. Buy or sell. We got a bunch of Mavericks stuff that we're going to get into. First up, the Mavericks clutch record. This has been a thing that we've been talking about for years now with the Luka Mavericks. Are the Mavericks clutch? Are they not clutch? What happened to the Mavericks? They were pretty clutch his rookie year. Then his second year, they were just downright terrible in clutch games. Last year, they ended up being decent. 
This year, they're four and zero in clutch games so far. They're tied for the best record in the NBA. I'll give you, I'll give anybody ten dollars if they can guess which team is also four and zero in clutch games this year. In clutch games, um, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with Milwaukee. Oh, it's an Eastern Conference team, but it's the Washington Wizards. Oh, no for one, them. no one's getting that one, right? No like, that's just one of those one. teams where you're like, no, there's no way. <laughs> so they're they're four and zero in clutch games. Buy or sell. The Mavericks have solved their clutch game issues. I'm going to have to sell. 4-0 is a bit of a small sample size for me. It's a good... I mean, I'd rather it be 4-0 than 0-4, but either way, <laughs> I'd still be saying the same thing. Uh, I, I got to see a little bit more from them over the course of the season, but like kind of you and I have been hinting at, I do like what I've seen so far. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good start, right? The map, you'd obviously rather not be the, the inverse of that, and you also... You know, definitely rather win all the games in front of you than not. But their wins are against like the the win against the Spurs, the win against I think the Raptors was a clutch game. This win against Boston was a clutch game. And then another so two wins against the Spurs, Boston. And then I believe that Toronto game was also that other clutch game. I could be wrong about that one. But yeah, so they're not the worst. They're not the toughest opponents either. Boston has been up and down they're what now four and six so that's not even necessarily the the best run team right now they didn't have Jalen Brown either it came down to a Luka you know clutch game winning shot they still win the game but you know if it comes down to that you're not like dominating these type of games so they haven't solved all their issues but what they have done I think is adding Jalen Brunson and and solving this issue of having the secondary creator and playing Mm -hmm. Jalen Brunson with Luka a little bit more I think is something that has really added to this Mavericks team and has given them a different dynamic that I don't think they had as much last year. Yeah, it's, I mean, Luca and the team have have always had confidence in Jalen Brunson, but in my opinion, it does look like this year they're continuing to kind of take that step forward uh, and give Jalen Brunson just that opportunity and and, and time to, to really just kind of do his thing. I mean, we saw it in the San Antonio game. I'm sure we'll see it again this season. Uh, I like seeing him in the closing lineups. Um, so yeah, I think, I think what they're doing so far is, is solid. I think there's still room for improvement, but yeah, we'll see what happens when we go up against maybe some more difficult opponents down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see right now they're playing about 17 minutes a game, Luca and Brunson Mm. and, uh, which is a decent amount. And a, a lot of it I think is coming late in games. I think that's something that, um, we haven't seen a lot. Last year, they played 12 minutes together per game, Luka and Brunson. So we're seeing a, that uptick a little bit. And now, again, it's still early in the season and all that. But that uptick, I think that extra shift is, I think, all of cl- all of crunch time. I don't know if we saw a lot of Luka and Brunson last year in cr- in close games. They would put Richardson out there. They would put somebody, you know, another guard out there. And uh, we all know how that We all know how that We all know how that went with Josh Richardson. Uh, happy trails, bud. Um but yeah, that that extra shift I think is adding something. So they haven't solved all their clutch issues, but they've you know they figured something out. And their their clutch offense, they were able to rely on Brunson in that one game, that one Spurs game that definitely helped them. And so relying on somebody else has definitely helped in that scenario. All right, the Mavs won the game against the Celtics, only shooting thirty three percent from three. So it's not like they dominated from threes and hit a bunch of threes. We've talked all season about how this team is just living and dying by the three at some points. Mm-hmm. Buy or sell. Not the, the Mavs winning that game and not dominating from three is a product of Jason Kidd's new offense and his scheme. That was the one thing that Jason Kidd talked about before the season and mm-hmm. you know preseason and all that. The one offensive thing I can remember him saying is we're not going to live and die by the three. So the Mavericks winning that game is proof that, that Kidd's scheme and all that is working. 
Yeah, I'm gonna have to sell on that. Uh, again, it's it's just one game. It came down to a Luca buzzer beater. So if that shot hadn't gone in, maybe we had lost in overtime. Would that be a conversation that people are having? I don't know. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I can't necessarily say that. Or, honestly, there's not too much that I can take away from kids' scheme right now. I certainly have my thoughts on it. But again, small sample size. I need to see how the team uh, continues to perform over the course of the season and even in the playoffs because if you look at our division, like we all, are, we all know what our schedule looks like, but how is it going to look come playoff time? There are still so many questions I have with this uh, system and scheme on a game to game basis. So yeah, I can't just take this one game and say, uh, yes, the scheme is perfect and we're sitting pretty. If you believe this, if you believe that, you know, the Mavericks win games like this because of Jason Kidd's scheme and it's not, you know, they're not just living and dying by the three, uh, then then there is like no trend <laughs> so far this season. The Mavericks have shot over 40% one to- from three, one time this season. And it was against the Spurs in uh, in the game before game before Halloween, uh, that one. They shot 40%. They've shot under 33% the rest of the games. <laughs> so this Mavericks team has just not shot the three ball well at all. So at least they found other ways to win. I'm not I'm, I'm selling that it's about kids offensive scheme. And there was somebody that commented on YouTube and said, you know, and, and mentioned this to me. It's like, oh, this is all because of Jason Kidd's new scheme. And I was like, that's interesting. Let me think about that for a minute. Yeah. I'm not sure there's anything that he that Jason Kidd has added or implemented that has changed too much. The only, the only mid range stuff, the only two point stuff that we're getting is because of of. Luca driving and, and pulling up for mid-range, which we actually haven't seen too much this year. Brunson, that's been a huge part of his game his whole career. Kristaps Porzingis adding some mid-range stuff, but even, you know, not a ton. His finishing at the rim, I thought, was a bigger factor than his mid-range stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm selling that it's all not part of kids' offensive scheme. I'm, I think I'd buy more that it's the Mavs finding ways to win with Luca and KP and, and Brunson all finding ways to win. Not to say that kid didn't contribute anything, but it's not all because of him. Yeah, I, and I like I like the philosophy of okay, hey, you can't live and die by the three. Like we have to find other ways. Like he, he did say that, so he, he for me and I think a lot of people, uh, he deserves credit there. Uh, but yeah, it comes down to can these guys create thrown shots? Can they score in other ways? And even Tim Hardaway Jr. is another guy that's been getting crafty in the mid range and is showing, hey, like we're not we're we're a dangerous offensive team. So uh, yeah, I think we're going to continue to get that from a lot of these guys, and it's going to bode well for the Mavs. All right, let's get into Kristaps Porzingis. This is a huge thing right now. Kristaps Porzingis, 21 points, seven boards, two assists, two steals, and a block in his return in 28 minutes against the Boston Celtics. His return is first game back in about a week after the lower back tightness. Uh, well, let's do this one. I'll, I'll throw a curveball at you. Buy or sell, the back tightness was real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna. Oh, oh God, what are you doing to me, Nick? Uh, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna sell that one. I don't know that I'm 100% buying it. Ooh. I think it's just a little too generic for me. But I hope. I hope I'm wrong. I, if I'm wrong, call me out, Dallas Mavs. Like I'll take it. It's one of the big mysteries. I think. Right? Like, was it? Was it real? But I he came know. back and he looks. He looks fine. I don't know. I, I think I buy that, it, that he did have lower back tightness. And I think that it was such a long time being out because the Mavericks are being so careful with him because one of two reasons that we've gone over, I think, a hundred times. The Mavericks either want to get him ready for a trade and keep him ready for a trade and kind of like put him on ice <laughs> for a trade while also, you know, they want to to walk and chew gum at the same time while also 
like upping his trade value by seeing him play well. So you're like, okay, we have to balance these two wants that we have. We, we do want him to play well and we want him to come in and play, but we do also want to trade him. So it's like, okay, we have to be really careful when he's injured, but also use him and actually let him play and actually let him, you know, do well when he plays. So I don't know. There, there's all kinds of stuff. I, yeah. I, I, I think I buy that it was a real injury that it was, he was actually dealing with back tightness. Um, but I think the Mavericks gave him a little bit more rope than they would maybe give somebody else. Uh, all right, coming up, let's get into some more stuff about Christoph Porzingis. His coming back, I thought, was really interesting. The way that they used him in this game, I found really fascinating. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Dwight Powell and the Mavs starting five. I think there's some stuff to buy or sell about them as well. But before we do that, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're absolutely delicious. There's all kinds of flavors and things you can get uh, for Built Bar. You can check it out. There's mystery flavors all the time. They're always coming up with new things. I just had a, a pumpkin flavor that's still available, Paranormal Pumpkin, 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, 7 grams of sugar for a bar covered in 100% chocolate. It's great. You can go check it out right now. Blueberry Muffin is still in there. Uh, they're trying to they're they're passing off these built bars as desserts, which you're like, okay, come on, a protein bar as a dessert. That's ridiculous. Why would you even say that? But honestly, like there's sometimes where I'm like, I just need some chocolate. I want to just grab something and I don't want to feel bad about it. Boom. Get you a built bar. Try it out. Just try one. If you're if you're curious and you're like, I want to try one, but I'm not really sure. The mint brownie is 100% solid all the time. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, four grams of sugar covered in 100% chocolate. That one is great no matter who you are. I don't know anybody that doesn't like that bar. Go check it out. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your entire order, no matter what it is, at Built.com. Again, LOCKED15, promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. All right, Lauren, let's get into some more buy or sell. We've been talking about Chris Porzingis, and he has been a, a big topic this may, I mean, for a decade, it feels like we've been talking about him for so long. Um, for the first time, so Callie Kaplan tweeted this out today. For the first time since October 26th, Christoph Porzingis is not on the Mavs daily injury report as of Sunday, meaning he came out of his 28 minutes against the Boston Celtics in good shape. Buy or sell. KP is right right now and is back and he will stay healthy. Relatively um, healthy, I'll throw that. I don't, not not the rest of the season, but relatively healthy. Um, well, if we're saying relatively healthy, I I could. I'm just gonna sell it. I'm gonna sell it only because it's just too hard that you can't look at the history and not. I'm gonna say like buy in terms of no significant crazy injuries. Hopefully, knock on wood. But as yeah, as far as like okay, he's not going to miss another stretch of games for the rest of the season or for the next, you know, 40 games. I can't necessarily buy that one. It's impossible, right? Like, it's impossible for us to know. It. We did the whole thing, the whole bit, the all-offseason all where they were saying it's his first healthy offseason. I think I think he's relatively healthy, right? He's going to yes. have these little flare-ups and things like that that are going to, that the Mavericks are going to, or it's going to seem like they're going to overblow them, like this back tightness thing. Let's yeah. say the back tightness thing was real. He was feeling real back tightness and... It wasn't some kind of conspiracy where it wasn't some kind of conspiracy where they were trying to trade him or something like that. They're going to take those really seriously and they're going to hold him out for a while. Make sure he's 100 percent right and 100 percent ready to go back in, because if there's anything else like that, he's he's dealing with or that he is hurting or anything. He goes out and he hurts himself even more or does a, a permanent thing or tear something else. 
then all of a sudden the whole thing is just blown, right? The Mavericks mm -hmm. don't have them to play. They don't have them to trade. They don't have it. They just have that contract basically sit on the books. So yeah, I, I obviously sell that this is that KP is going to stay healthy the rest of the season, but I hope, <laughs> right? I hope so, yeah. <laughs> right? Like that's kind of where we all are for sure. Uh, all right. The Mavs current starting five is bad and they should just try something else. Buy or sell this. And I'm going to bring this up. The Mavericks current starting five is like negative 17 points per hundred possessions. And at this point they've played, I think enough minutes where we're like, all right, that's, that's trending towards something. It's, it doesn't tell us the whole story, but it's trending towards if it's still negative double digits and almost negative 20 in the net rating department, then that's really bad. Um, but if you replace Jalen Brunson with Chris Porzingis, that net rating improves by 31 points per hundred possession. It goes from negative 17 to plus uh, 34. And the offensive rating skyrockets even more. It goes from like 89, which is terrible, to like 120 something. So it's not that I should, that it's, this is not to say that I think they should just get rid of KP and put Brunson in, but there's something about that starting five that is just not working right now. Whereas another combination I think could, could work. But are you buying or selling that that starting five is bad and they should just try something else? Yeah, I do think that they should try something else. Um, there are definitely moments where I'm like, okay, there's either not an interior presence or the ball's not moving quickly enough or enough, period, depending on the matchup. So I I would be in favor of of a lineup change, but again, you don't want to be constantly changing things on like uh, with a small sample size and continuing to change things because there it's really hard to just build continuity and, and have success with that. So I don't blame them for trying to make it work, but how much longer are we going to, you know, keep maybe getting ourselves into these games where we're starting off slow or struggling down the stretch, you know? Here's the here's another one that just goes into that one. Buy or sell. The criticism of Dwight Powell is overblown. I feel like he becomes the scapegoat almost every single year between yeah. fans and media and people are like, all right, Dwight Powell is the problem. He's the one that needs to go. Uh, from that from that starting five, I kind of see, you look at the the closing lineup against the Celtics, they have Dwight, Dwight Powell's not on the floor. KP's the lone five. And then you're like, okay, that lineup seems to work. That lineup is better. They should just start with that and use that. Yeah. Uh, I, I am going to buy it because I don't, it's not Dwight's fault. Like if you have Dwight and Maxi coming off the bench, I'm fine with that. Can they, to me, the question always comes down to how much are you committed to allowing KP to be the four, playing Dwight Powell to start the game. Like, are, is that an idea that you're absolutely married to? And it's just non-negotiable at this point. And if that's the case, because you want to keep KP happy, maybe it's an injury prevention thing. If that's the philosophy, that's fine. But you also have to understand that you're probably going to give up, you know, however many points in the paint you just, it's a trade-off at this point until you can make the move to not have to deal with a trade-off. So blaming it all on Dwight Powell, I don't think is fair. I understand the frustration. Believe me, I have it sometimes. But again, if Dwight Powell was making maybe $6 million less than he is per year, giving you what he's giving you, is it really Dwight Powell's fault? Like, would he really be getting as much criticism as he is? I don't think it's Dwight Powell's fault. I think it's that's the wrong starting front court. Yeah, he's thrust into a situation that's, just, I mean, he's just out of, kind of out of it, like out of his league almost, right? Like, he should, yeah. I don't think he should be a starting center. He'd be in a, he's an incredible backup center. Like, he'd be yeah. great. He, he does one thing really well, roll into the rim, and it's working. But there's a couple things in here. Uh, there's only one five-man unit with Dwight Powell in it that is not a negative 10 net rate, that doesn't have a negative 10 net rating, meaning they're getting outscored by over 10 points per 100 possessions. Uh, and that's like Brunson with the starter. That's that Brunson with the starters unit that I mentioned earlier. Um, 
Dwight Powell also has a negative net rating with every single player in, in two-man lineups, every single player on the team except for Brunson. So there's something about these lineups with, with Dwight that are just not working right now, mm-hmm. whether it's him or just all of it together. And uh, and so, yeah, I think the, the criticism of, of Dwight himself may be overblown because everybody just, you know. <laughs> they love to, that, yeah. That's an easy one. Is criticism overblown? Yes, obviously, all the time from everyone. But the, they do need to try something else. That, that starting five with Dwight Powell is just not working. Now, do they have something else to try? That's that's I think what that's it comes the, down that's to right the big there. Problem, right? And that's why I think maybe the criticism is overblown because you're like, all right, you're gonna put Willie Colley Stein in there. Is Mo- Moses Brown isn't getting any minutes, so he hasn't he hasn't gotten the trust of Jason Kidd yet. Apparently, uh, is that the answer? I'm not sure. Some people say, well, what about Boban? He played so well. What we have to understand about Boban is he's such a situational player right now. He can only play against certain teams. He can't he can't play against. Al Horford and Rob Williams, right? Rob right. Williams oh. just run circles around him and, and Al Horford just stretch him out of the three-point line. And that's just really tough on Boban. He has to play against big centers, like, you know, against the, the Nuggets and against teams like that where he can do well. Uh, and that's kind of, I mean, that's Boban, <laughs> right? Like he's just <laughs> such a situational player at this point that that's when, that's when they can use him. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest problem right now is it seems like we have a lot of situational bigs. Like, and I think that that is a problem. It seems like right now we're going for quantity over quality. And I hate to say that because I don't want that to sound like a dig at our guys, but I think you have too many, too many bigs. You need want you, you just need a more concise, solid, like game plan when it comes to the rotation. And I don't think we have that right now. The, some of the Willie minutes, I'm like, I, I struggle to watch them. <laughs> Dwight again, okay. Dwight and Maxi. I'm fine with them together, but Dwight going out there against some of these starting bigs, it's just not favorable for him. And so when you're trying to make that and KP like Dwight and KP work as as a front court defensively, I just don't think that you're going to have a whole lot of success with that. And so yeah, right now I just don't think the the front court group as a whole is is what's going to get us where we want to go. Their best uh, their best lineup is going to be with KP at the five always. Now, can KP play enough minutes at the five? Are we, is he going to get beat up too much on, in the post and all that? Is he going to get beat up too much as the roll man? Cause you do get, you do get hit as the roll man every once in a while. A guy will try and come over, stop a lob attempt or something like that. And you'll get hit out of the air, right? That stuff will happen. Rebounding. We, we understand the problem with KP and rebounding. That's been an issue for a while, but that's going to be their best lineup. And honestly, I think the Mavericks are best when KP is the roller, right? When he is the guy going to the rim or what we saw against the Celtics. But uh, yeah, for now they're using Dwight Powell as sort of a, a blanket, like a security blanket for, for Luca when he um, runs pick and rolls and they're running it for KP to try and keep him out of harm's way as far as injuries and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, they're going to keep trying it. Jason Kidd seems to be attached to Dwight Powell and uh, we'll see. We'll see if he tries Moses Brown or somebody else or if he experiments later in the year, but this is what we got right now. Uh, Lauren, anything to plug, anything you've written for maps, Moneyball, or something you want people to direct their attention to? Um, yeah, I mean, I do, uh, you can find all my work, uh, linked to my Twitter at L gun. Uh, if you're watching the YouTube, you can see it right there. I do actually have an article coming out tomorrow on what I think the Mavs can do to solve their biggest problem, which you'll have to read and, and see what I think that is. So some people might agree with me. Some people might think that I'm completely wrong. So <laughs> come tell me what you think. <laughs> As is the nature of what we do. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. We'll be back tomorrow with more stuff. There will be a post game after the game against the Pelicans. Ooh, will Zion play? No. No.
Will it be interesting? <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Talk about that tomorrow, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Peace out. Oh!